We bring you this special radio television broadcast in order to give you the very latest information on an amazing phenomenon. From the files of Schlock and Awe, welcome to Natural Selection, the home of the DTV Creature Feature. Here are your hosts, Matty Budrevich and Dave Wayne. Don't you dare touch me! Stand back! No! No! Hello and welcome to Natural Selection episode 11, the penultimate chapter in our Creature Feature Quest. My name is Dave Wayne, and to my right is Matthew Budrevich. Hello. Um, sharks. We haven't really spoken about them much, and today we're going to do three shark movies. Shark Attack 1, 2, and 3. We've shied away on purpose, really, haven't we? Because it's not really mm. our cup of tea. We hate Sharknado. We hate the sort of multitude of shark-based goings yeah. on. Yeah, um, to sort of pinch a phrase from the Anaconda book, uh, booklet that we did for 88 films I think we we live now in the age of the great white overload mm. and it's just got to a point where shark movies have become so wearisome and so I just I can't personally get that excited about them no. anymore uh, especially the ones that frequently pop up on sci-fi and that yeah. and that's not to say that there is bad in that cycle we were talking just before we started about the, uh, the all the sort of multi-headed shark attack films yeah, yeah. they're pretty cool mm-hmm. the mega shark stuff they're pretty cool but it just kind of it seemed like we had nothing much to say about shark movies considering how kind of culty they are already I guess mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. that there's already a, a massive sort of market share for people talking about shark stuff but that that aside shark attack is an incredibly important entry in the direct to video creature features of the late 90s and early 90s in fact without it we probably wouldn't have the cycle as it is today yeah but I mean when are we beginning here shark attack one came out in 1999 mm-hmm. but this whole kind of thing i mean avi gulerni was, was, was pretty much sort of penciling in things like this a few years earlier though wasn't he he, mm-hmm. he was 95 wasn't it when he was first sort of uh, mulling over this idea yeah so shark attack is the inaugural creature feature mm. from a company we've talked about quite extensively before new image yeah um, it was conceptualised by New Image's head honcho, Avi Lerner, as you say, in 1995. Mm. Um, he was anticipating the, the sort of the monster wave of the 90s where you had like Jurassic Park and Congo and things like that. And he wanted to do a shark movie. However, there was no market for shark movies in 1995. So he waited a while and, as luck would have it, Deep Blue Sea enters into production. So there's a mad scrabble to put Shark Attack together. Fast forward a little bit to the American film market in 1999. Mm. The finished Shark Attack, it sells like hotcakes. Obviously, as we've said countless times before, Anaconda had happened. Lake Placid was, uh, I believe that was on the cusp of coming out, Mm. as was Deep Blue Sea. And people were hungry for these giant creature features now particularly a shark one because distributors they wanted to ride the wave of deep blue sea which was 
primed to become a big summer blockbuster. Yeah. So Shark Attack, it sells like bloody hotcakes at the American film market that year. Um, it did so well, in fact, that New Image actually took out an ad, uh, an announcement, sorry, in Variety, saying that you know, New Image boffo box office or boffo sales, something like that. And off the back of the sales for Shark Attack, that is what led directly to the green lighting of Crocodile, Spiders, Octopus, Shark Attack 2 and all of their other sequels because it just sold so incredibly well. So ultimately, without Shark Attack, we probably wouldn't be sat here talking about half as many creature features as we had done, as this was the film that really opened up the floodgate for director video and made-for-TV sort of creature features. You're listening to Natural Selection, the home of the DTV creature feature. In an island paradise, doctors search to find a cure for cancer, and the deadliest creature in the sea could hold the key. Isn't Stephen McRae, Mr. Big Time Shark Expert? You know sharks have incredible immune systems, completely resilient to any form of disease. But the experiment has gone too far. I've never seen a metabolic rate that high. Its brain is fried. It must have reverted back to primal instinct. This thing thinks it's always hungry. We found something strange in the blood. A hormone. It's a synthetic growth hormone. 12 confirmed shark attacks in three months. They're out of control, Steven. Now a relentless killer is more deadly than ever. (laughs) And only one man stop the terror. I want to get a close look at these sharks. Sounds dangerous. Well, I'll be careful. How do you think the hormone's getting into the shark? Somebody's going through an awful lot of trouble to attract sharks to that lagoon. You, of all people, should appreciate what I'm trying to do. I want to stop you from playing God. Technically, you were trespassing. You're always missing the point. The more sharks, the less people. Ernie Hudson in a terrifying journey straight into the jaws of hell. Shark attack. Trailer there for shark attack. Um, what did you think of this? Um, I like shark attack, but (laughs) um, is it a big but? Yeah, it can't. I mean, it's just all right, isn't it? I think out of that sort of new image cycle of shark attack, crocodile, spiders, octopus, blah, blah, Mm. blah, shark attack is most certainly at the bottom of the pile. Yeah, I I, I think it pales. I mean, the amount of times I've seen octopus, spiders and crocodile and their sequels compared to this is, I don't know, it must be 10 to 1. Mm. I watched it again a few nights ago and I could barely remember anything about it. I know I've seen it before, but yeah, I, I, I mean, unfortunately, I don't think I'd be in much rush to watch it again after this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when we did the um, the first episode with 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 spiders and co, uh, I wanted to go home that night. I would have happily seen mm. those films back to back or the sequels. But with this, I've just got there's no there's no urgency. It was fine. It was fine. Yeah. It was. It was <laughs> damn damning it with faint praise, I know, but it just, to me, it felt too straight to be a creature feature. 
it felt as though it had ambitions above a state uh, station. Yeah. You know, uh, it seemed, they'd obviously seen Deeply Sea and they wanted to create sort of a low-budget clone of that, mm. but without any of the, the low-budget humour or kind of knowing winks and nods. Yeah, it lacks... The, 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 the cardinal flaw mm. is that it lacks the overblown sense of... Uh, spiders and all that it, they, yeah. they sort of get crazier and crazier as they go along whereas this shark attack's just very mechanical and very routine it's not mm. bad it, it hits the right bases yeah. but it's just sort of it, it's a car without an engine I guess no, you good. know it maybe may even something that you, you could say is a little soulless um, as mm. you say with, with the story it is basically it's it's the the medical we're going to find a cure type mm. angle of deep blue sea. Whereas yeah. deep blue sea was about Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. Here they're trying to find a cure for cancer, mm. and then it's got the sort of small town politics mm. of Jaws, which is represented by Ernie Hudson's character. Yeah, because what have we got here? We've got Casper uh, Van Dien who's playing Stephen McRae. Um, and he's heading over to Port Amanzi in South Africa mm-hmm. to find out why his friend, Mark DeSantis, has been killed. Now, Mark DeSantis looks a lot like Casper Van Dien, <laughs> and that really fucks me. But, of course, we know Mark DeSantis. He was Frank Zagarino's stunt double, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Or body double. Yeah. He, uh, just one of the sort of new image journeymen. Mm. He'd be on the new image sort of books, just doing sort of odd things, odd jobs and stuff like yeah. stunts, body doubling. So he's dead. Uh, Van Dien, playing Steve McRae, lands in South Africa. So he's kind of got to find out what's what, because Mark... His deceased friend had been conducting research on a spate of shark attacks mm-hmm. in the area. Um, and he sort of teams up with uh, Mark's sister, who is uh, Corrine DeSantis, played by Jenny McShane, who we may well talk about further on in this episode. Yeah, she um, <laughs> she would go on to earn her place in B-movie history mm. uh, as the recipient of John Barrowman's legendary <laughs> pussy-eating line in Shark Attack 3. Yeah, well, let, let's eat pussy a little bit later on. <laughs> but Corinne DeSantis, um, yeah, Jenny McShane, the actress who plays it, she, she, um, I think she's in US Seals the year after, but she's got a lot of uncredited stuff, hasn't she? She was uncredited in Albert Pune's ticker, uncredited in Ringo Lamb's Replicant. Uh, it's kind of like a middling, nearly, but not quite, Kind of yeah, career. yeah. I don't really think, in terms of career, she she ever went on to do anything that shook the earth. No, um, but in terms of storyline, so we're, we're deeply see light essentially. Aren't yeah, we? yeah. Uh, do you think that harms it? Do you think they should have, you know, maybe moved away from the whole deeply see thing and just gone all out for you know mutant sharks causing havoc? With less of an explanation, less of a storyline. I li- I like the whole deep blue sea light kind mm. of angle to mm-hmm. it, and I think where it really it, it's it's strange because where shark attack really starts to get bogged down in, yeah, is that the sharks then become secondary to this sort of land grab plot right, that right. Ernie Hudson's character is yeah. spearheading. However, the weird thing about that is that. As kind of dull and tepid that aspect of the story is, Ernie Hudson is far and away the most interesting character in Shark Attack. You know, he he's this he's the guy who adds the the B movie colour and the B movie flavour to it. Mm-hmm. You know, this sort of over the top performance. You know, it's very moustache twirling villain. Yeah, he is. I mean, he comes full circle, doesn't he? I mean, he starts off the sort of affable kind of you know cuddle. Well, maybe not cuddly, but you know. 
likable character initially mm. and you think yeah okay that's cool but then he uh, of course goes over to the dark side with dr miles craven mm. uh miles craven of course played by bentley mitchum grandson of robert mm-hmm. and son of chris and brother-in-law of casper van dien so it's a real family affair this one um miles craven is uh kind of bondish character yeah. isn't he I, I didn't i didn't I think it was a bit too, bit too cardboard cut out for me. The, the only real sort of takeaway you have from him as a character mm. is that, oh, he's a chain smoker. Yeah, yeah. You know, that seems to be the only sort of hook. It's not that Bentley Mitchum's bad, he's just not got really much material no. to work with. Um, I would like to say, Bentley Mitchum, you, you, you will recognise him as one of the greasers in uh, one, one of my personal favourite Stephen King-based movies, Sometimes They Come Back. Yeah. He's one of the supernatural antagonists in mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. And of course, Mitchum had just worked with Van Dien and uh, Shark Attack's director, Bob Mizurowski, yeah. uh, beforehand on Mizurowski's On the Border. See, that's a film I really like. I saw it again last night. Mm. Um, and it's, it's a great, sweaty, really sweaty, uh, Western noir. Western noir, very, oh, very, very much very in vogue. Hip. Very, very hip. hip. It's, a, it's, a, it's a hip expression. And um, really just echoes my, um, echoes my, my uh, you know. Your general hip demeanour. Without doubt. <laughs> um, because I know that Criterion, wow, we're mentioning Criterion on our, on our show. Um, Criterion are currently running a Western noir season on their oh, channel. I didn't yeah, know that. They are. Uh, and they've picked about 12 films to show. You know, of which On the Border is not one of them. Funnily enough, you know, now you should mention it. No, it's not. But I must admit that if if, um, if you fancy seeing pretty much the same crew, including the DP, um, Lawrence Scher, the uh, the music guy, uh, Serge Colbert, as well as uh, Bentley Mitchum, Casper and Diana, and of course Mizrowski, um, then they're all uh, the crew on, on the border, which is well worth checking out. But Bob... Mizurowski is kind of our, our guy, really, isn't he? Because we've covered a number of his films for, mm. for our book, Schlock and Awe. Um, you know, we, we've done Blink of an Eye, <clears throat> which he did back in 92, as well as Point of Impact, which was, I think it was retitled for Hollywood DVD that, over here, Spanish, Spanish Rose. Rose. Yeah. Both with Michael Parry, who I know you've got a, you've, you've got a poster <laughs> of him looking down on me here. Um, you know, it's like your temple for which you pray a at. Temple for it, it's covered in um, you know flowery ornaments and a stuff. Temple and, for blandness and a mat for which you uh, <laughs> kneel upon. No, no, you're not a Michael Parry fan. And then he went on to do um, Bob. Sorry, went on to do Blood of the Innocent in '94 with Thomas Ian Griffith, uh, which is good. Uh, before I think he went on to uh, Air Panic, was it in 2002? And yeah, then, he did Panic and, for New Image, Deranged um, with Van Damme for New Image's offshoot Millennium. Um, he's a good, by and large, Bob Mizrowski yeah. is, is a sturdy and dependable set of hands. Yeah. And I think that is a that is the best way of looking at Shark Attack. Yeah. It is sturdy, dependable. It ain't going to set your world on fire, no. but it's it's a journeyman film from a journeyman director. Yeah, the, the root of it is in the sense that the film is so pitched between Jaws and Deep Blue Sea, but it just never gets out of that rut. Mm. Um, the script, it's it, it it's well-written insofar as, uh, you know, it's serviceable, mm. workmanlike, mechanical. Written by Scott Devine and William Hook, who yeah. are the, basically the mainstays of the Shark Attack franchise. Yeah. They'd go on to write Shark Attack 2 and Shark Attack 3, Megalodon. That's a rarity, isn't it? I mean, no other yeah. franchise had that. 
It's you know I think Adam Girash and Jace Anderson had a hand in like Spiders yeah. Two and Crocodile Two, but you know these guys, these were the architects of the entire series. Mm. Um, they did, of course, as we mentioned in the opening sort of strokes of this episode, that Avi Lerner conceptualised the film in 1995. Divine um, actually went to Lerner when he found out that we were nudging a shark film into production after Deep mm. Blue Sea. Um, and pitched him the story for Shark Attack, which was originally called Red Tide. Yeah. Um, and before Van Dien was involved, it was set to star Michael Bean, mm, who mm. Uh, he had to bow out due to scheduling right. conflicts. And a, a thing that I do think does warrant discussion about it, uh, considering Bentley Mitchum's involvement, and this mm. will make a whole lot of sense now, is that as part of Van Dien's contract, he actually had casting approval. Right. Yeah, he got paid. Okay. He, he got paid a million dollars to appear in it, and was given uh, casting approval. Wow. And that that came straight from the mouth of Jenny McShane uh, in an interview she gave with the Bristol Bad Film Club. Wow. So yeah, um, but there's some there's some half decent stuff in there. As as we said, the shark footage is the stock stuff's well utilized. Mm. It's not out of place. No, no, no. You know, if you can compare it to well. We're recording this episode on the day we're doing the commentary for uh, Moon in Scorpio for 88 Films' slasher range. And there is some horrific, horrific Vietnam stock footage <laughs> in that film that sticks out like a sore thumb. Yeah. Whereas the shark stuff in Shark Attack, it works. No, no, no. It, it complements the sort mm. of kind of janky uh, mechanical head that's used. Yeah, there's some good stuff in Shark Attack though albeit in a very average way there's a mm. few uh, a nice boat chase mm-hmm. um, a couple of explosions the finale is kind of exciting and action packed yeah, yeah. Um, the stock footage is is well utilised mm-hmm. um, what I do want to know though with, in terms of the shark effects footage is well are they real dead sharks that Mitchell's oh, yeah. character so realistic, cuts up? Jesus. Yeah, um, because if they're not, they, they look ah. incredibly yeah. lifelike and real, um, beyond the point of them being just a good special effect. No, no, no. Um, if they are real, I'm not quite sure how I feel about that. No. Uh, you know, they, they might be dead, but... Yeah, but even so. Yeah, you're still poking around yeah. in shark guts. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how I feel about that ethically. Mm. Um Morally, <laughs> spiritually, maybe it just doesn't feel right no, for my soul. That's pretty grim. Um, yeah. You know, it's just kind of bad juju. Mm-hmm. Um, but the mechanical shark, uh, the, the animatronic shark supervisor was a guy named Anton Cronier, um, and the special effects supervisor was a chap by the name of Gavin Meaden, who yeah. worked on new images Cyborg Cop Two and Shadow Chaser Two, and uh, it's it's. It's used sparingly, mm-hmm. um, and it is, it is a little hawky looking. But uh, guess what? So's fucking Jaws. You know, Jaws <laughs> is is really kind of hawky looking. And... Everyone turns off. <laughs> well, no, I don't mean that as a slam. I love no. Jaws. You know, it it doesn't take the hawkiness of the shark in Jaws, just like in Shark Attack, doesn't take away from my enjoyment of the shark attack sequences. No. Mm. And in Shark Attack, you know, one of the things. One of the few things that it does right that does almost elevate it to the point of a good movie is mm. the the fake shark does serve a purpose dramatically. It elicits the right emotional responses from you. You get a you get a little jump, you get a little wince, um, and it is savage. Yeah. But you know, as as I'm sure we'll mention on Shark Attack Two, there's not enough shark attacks in Shark Attack One to justify it being called no. Shark Attack, and the whole film is so 
routine and mechanical that it just feels that anything we say is it should be kept in mind that it's feigned praise at best so yeah. you, you like the South African aspect don't you I yes. don't I'm, 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 I'm I mean I'm a huge fan of um, the new image stuff late 90s be it Warhead and Armstrong and all that kind of stuff but I, I do like the Bulgaria uh, Bulgaria Bulgaria era mm. a lot especially I just think it fits the whole creature feature thing mm. but I, I don't, that's one thing I missed with this but you think that it fits yeah that's, that's one of the one of the strongest suits of Shark Attack mm. is is the exotic South African local it was filmed in Port Alfred in South Africa yeah um, and they actually got a disclaimer at the end credits saying that um, although it had been retitled Port Amanzi in the film they put this disclaimer at the end of Shark Attack that says that the real <laughs> Port Alfred doesn't suffer from shark attacks in case obviously you watch this movie and don't ever want to go there <laughs> fearing that some stock footage sharks will attack you never know um but no i, I do like i like the local color of it yeah. i think it's got a great tropicality um it's i love the sun-kissed look to it mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. and i think that's really great um it was made at the time that new image was starting to slow down production over yeah, in south africa yeah. Um, originally that is where the company was set up um, Avi and Danny Lerner uh, owned the new Metro theatres the theatre chain over in South Africa and mm. they sold that to form New Image and so all through the 90s they pretty much just made all their movies in South Africa for the video market and then you know, it was round about 2000-2001 time they sort of relocated over to Bulgaria mm. Um, I do think it suits Shark Attack. It has has a nice vibe to it. It gives it a nice, you know, it works well alongside Crocodile with that whole sun kissed vibe. Mm. It, it shot well, isn't it? I mean, yeah. you got the DP is Lauren Sher, who um, went on to be Todd Phillips' right hand man, shooting everything from Hangover mm. One to Hangover Two to Hangover Three. Yeah. He, oh, and he, something he... called Joker, which apparently is is quite popular. Among, amongst the cool kids <laughs> not that we know these kind of things and his his creature feature form uh, extends to Godzilla King of the Monsters right, right, from right. last year as well mm. um, it is a well shot movie yes um, I think especially the underwater stuff mm, mm. is really really good yeah um, but that's it there's not much really to sort of pin on Shark Attack it's just no. okay yeah it's one of those films that you sort of the credits roll and you're faced with sort of chatting about it for a period of time and once you summarise it there's not a lot more to say really Um, other than the fact it's got a really bad synopsis on the DVD case we've got the the Boulevard edition from um, from um, about 2008 I think one of those slim line I don't know um, our American listeners might not be too familiar with these but these were the uh, a company called Boulevard which used to do these slim line cases of uh, mm. budget DVDs and they're, they're alright they, 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 they you know they fill a gap but they're, they're really cheaply produced and uh, they've got the, the most badly worded synopsis on the back that you could ever possibly imagine I think uh, that's the thing with Shark Attack it's more interesting for its place in creature feature yeah. history mm-hmm. well in direct video creature feature mm. history than it is in a, as an actual movie Um you know, in terms of creature feature carnage, yeah, it's all right. Yeah. You know, there's, it, most of the stuff is, is rendered through the use of stock footage and a very fleetingly glimpsed giant shark head. Mm. And it's well put together and stuff like that. But I think 
it, it reminds me, it's, this is the creature feature equivalent of something like Jagmundra's Night Eyes. This mm. is to creature features what Jagmundra's Night Eyes <laughs> is to the, ero- to the director yeah. of the erotic thriller. It's a really good analogy. Um, mm. No, because Shark Attack, as we said in the, you know, in our little preamble, that mm. this is the one that inspired New Image to make a whole slew of these pictures based upon the strength of its pre-sales. Yeah. And also, in terms of distribution, Shark Attack is, is iconic because it came, it, it landed on British shores just as DVD was really, really starting to yeah. take off. It was released on video and DVD via Trimark in America right. on the 9th of November 1999, so three and a half months after Deep Blue Sea opened in cinemas. Mm, so, mm. you know, it, no shame in it that no, it was no, 100% perfect. a Deep Blue Sea mm. ripoff. But over here in England, it hit video in autumn 1999, but it's more, most famous for its, its ubiquitous DVD releases. Right. Mm. You know, from Hollywood DVD. <laughs> this, for a long time, this Shark Attack was one of the sort of films where you would buy a DVD player, yeah. and if you were lucky, you'd oh. get a bunch of films bundled in free with it. Amazing. Shark Attack was always one of them. <laughs> Shark, Shark Attack was on the shelves of pound shops. It was one of the yeah. first readily available bargain discs. Oh, yeah. So... Back in the early noughties, when people were trying to increase their DVD collection, mm. Shark Attack was an easy pickup, and that's, that's why it ended up making so much money because it was fucking everywhere. Mm, mm. And that's the thing: if you ask people who have copies of Shark Attack, none of them can relay the goddamn plot. <laughs> no one can tell you any of the intricities no. of what actually mm. went on. And most people, like us, tend to agree that it's yeah, it's not bad. It's okay. A lot of people dismiss it and decry it as the worst thing ever made, but it's not. It's just overwhelmingly average. You're listening to Natural Selection, the home of the DTV creature feature. kind of media coverage we could get with a great white? No one's ever been able to keep a great white alive in captivity. Capturing a great white is a piece of cake. <laughs> so how is our star attraction? Oh, we're not out of the woods yet. It's given something for the evening nose. Close the gate! They're growing at an accelerated level and hunting in packs. There's no telling how dangerous they're going to get. Get out of the water, shark! What the fuck happened out there? The sharks attacked us from every angle. I was lucky to get out of there alive. Somebody has to end this. Why you? If I walk away and somebody else dies, I don't know if I can live with myself. Big enough to hold them all. Get them in there and wipe them out. Underwater demolition explosives. Should be enough to turn those bastards into a bloody shark smoothie. 
Shock Attack 2 there. Um, this I liked. I liked yeah, a lot more. This is more like it, this, isn't this, it? This, this is the stuff. This was the kind of low grade Jaws ripoff that I signed up for when, when yeah. we, we did this. Because it is. It, it just. This works for me. It, it's, it's outrageously ridiculous. But it's so entertaining. And it really is the kind of shock movie that I can buy into. Yeah, this is the one that this fits alongside Crocodile, Spiders, mm-hmm. all that stuff. It's got the yeah. same over the top, silly. Mm-hmm. It knows it's a B movie, and it's yeah. just going to have fun with it. And this is if if you want a film called Shark Attack, this is the film that you want that film to be. Without Shark Attack Two is vastly, vastly superior to the original movie. Yeah, I mean it hooks you in from the start. Mm. You got that that gorgeous opening shot that wide shot across the ocean the table mountain maybe in the distance mm. possibly but well the quality the quality of the dvd was so much better than one and three and i bought into that because it, it really did pop um but yeah just the opening shot and then you've got not one not two but three shark attacks in the first 13 minutes yeah because that that's proper if you, if you rent a film or you buy a film called shark attack you want Shark attacks. Yeah, you, no, know, you don't want it to get. Apologies to be too simplistic about this. <laughs> you, you, but you, you're right. You don't want it to get bogged down mm. in a land deal like the first <laughs> one did. Regardless of the fact that it's got yeah. Ernie Hudson in, you know, twirling his tash and smoking cigars <laughs> and just having a wonderful. Time. That only gets you so far. Yes, and but this was very much a decision from the director David Worth. Right. Um, Worth. Uh, very cool guy. He is a yeah. real, real icon. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he he was inspired to become a filmmaker after seeing Citizen Kane. Yeah. A cinematographer, writer, mm. director, just a real jack of all trades. Porn, of course. Sorry, well, well, that's my Tourette kicking in again. I tell you, I know we mentioned <laughs> it in the last segment about was recording Moon and Scorpio today, but the, <laughs> the comparisons between Dave Worth's career and Moon and Scorpio's director Gary Graves' career is uncanny. It's freaky. You've got mm. you've got you know amazing porn films like Pink Champagne from '79. You've got unbelievable exploitation films like Poor Pretty Eddie from uh, 1975. Yeah. Amazing film. And then you've got like proper top quality high end nineties DTV films like mm. uh, Chain of Command with Michael Dudikoff, uh, and also Profits Game, which I really am a big fan of. Oh, with Dennis Hopper, Seven, seven yeah, Ripoff, well, yeah, which is cool, and I've got notes on that. I must write up for um, um, the shock pit. Well, with Worth, he very famously stated that he generally takes any assignment that comes mm. across his desk, which uh, I'm sure that's a point of ridicule for many. <laughs> but um, to, to you and I, that's you know he's a wonderful, wonderful journeyman yeah. talent, um, a real craftsman, uh, and again, hell of a spread of credits. Because on top of all that, he's worked with Eastwood, yeah. he's worked with Joe Dante, mm-hmm. he's worked with Jean Claude Van Damme um, as cinematographer of Bloodsport and as the director of Kickboxer. Yeah. Um, I do feel we have to point out that Kickboxer's producer Mark DeSalle actually shafted David Worth really? out of his directorial credit. Yeah, he made him take a co-director's credit with wow. him. Um, but yeah, he was Worth was offered Shark Attack Two by New Image, um, and he said he liked shark films and he felt that he could make a better and more exciting Shark Attack movie than the first one. And with crucially bigger and better shark attacks Ooh. and also he wanted to go to South Africa why not as he said in an interview uh, with <laughs> Bristol Bad Film Club again right we're pillaging them this pillaging. afternoon so thank you guys if any of you are yes, listening yes they're on Twitter they're work. 
good, good sight. Um, yeah, it's fascinating, and, and yeah, he was true to his word because mm. you know what what he wanted. It ends up on the film, and it is it's great. It's it's a it's a it's a really different premise as well to the first one, isn't it? There's none of this mm. real you know land purchasing nonsense. Yeah, there's, there's no property deals or anything like. It's that. a good old fashioned thing where we have um, we have a shark in an aquarium. Uh, it's the old, the old famous quote, you know, the shark's in the aquarium, he's not going to go anywhere. Um, <laughs> but hey, that doesn't quite turn out that way. Dara is Torsten K, plays Dr. Nick Harris. Torsten, um, bit of a soap star, isn't he? Yeah, uh, yeah. Bold and beautiful, thousand episodes, hardcore. Um, but he's all right in this. He, his, his performance is basically I mean the, the whole the general storyline of Shark mm. Attack 2 is basically all four Jaws films flung into a yeah. blender you know and if, if you don't like the sound of that I really don't know what else to say to you <laughs> but um, you know you could actually make Shark Attack 2 by piecing together yeah. the, the same scenes from all four Jaws films and uh, his character is basically just an amalgamation of uh, Dennis Quaid's in Jaws 3 mm-hmm. and uh, Roy Scheider's in the first two Jaws films. Yeah, and he's a uh, he's a marine biologist, of mm-hmm. course. Um, and they all. <laughs> and they all, they were, <laughs> yeah. The, um, yeah, so that this, this mutated shark escapes from Cape Town's theme park, Waterworld, and joins this 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 group of uh, of sharks, like the, uh, the offspring of the sharks offspring. from the first yeah. movie, which is given a token nod, but really, it's a completely standalone story, and it's it's all the better for it. Yeah, but they've got this new aquarium opening, and um, this this shark is obviously a massive threat to that. So he needs help, and he decides to join forces with Aussie Shark Hunter. Um, yeah, Roy Bishop, played by uh, Dan Metcalf. Whose Australia, whose accent is to Australia, what is what Dick Van Dyke's is to Cockney. <laughs> I am fairly sure that the man hasn't so much as ever drank a Foster's, let alone uh, no. met an Australian person. This was his, this was his first year in features, mm. uh, and it shows. Yeah, but that's all right because he was in uh, Isaac, Isaac Eaton's uh, really really underrated film Shadow Hours with Peter Weller. Oh yeah, that's, a, that's, that? a, cool that's a good film. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, not the best accent, but it, it's it's a great character with the, this 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 open. There's colour to it. Yeah, isn't it? you know, there's there's a there's a bit of a crocodile Dundee mixed with Indiana Jones. Steve Irwin, I yes, think, was the Steve uh, Irwin as that, well. This was round about the time of uh, Crocodile Hunter and all that was becoming very very popular oh, on yeah. TV. So I think it was very much, and you know, the, the guy's got the, the, this character's got his own extreme animal type show and yeah. stuff like that. So it's undoubtedly a little uh, wink and a nod. Yes, Steve Irwin, and we also have Samantha Peterson there, who is intent on putting an end to this nightmare because it killed her sister, mm-hmm. and um, and she reckons they're looking for a shark with one eye because she knows that as she took it out when she was trying to save her sister's life. It takes a balls. personal mission of vengeance personal mission. against yes. a shark. Um, tech wise, I think. You know, Worth has got a background in cinematography. Yeah. Um, he'd go on to not only direct, but shoot Shark Attack 3, Megalodon. Mm-hmm, one of them, mm-hmm. you know, the way it's shot is probably one of the best things about it, which we'll get to. Yeah. But Shark Attack 2 just looks fabulous. It does. Um, the original Shark Attack, uh, it, it did have good technical polish. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, a lot of the compositions... 
and I don't know whether this this is retrospectively looking at it because Shark Attack became somewhat famous as a TV movie, even though it was released straight to video and DVD in America before it even played on TV. Mm. But a lot of the compositions in the first Shark Attack do seem very TV friendly. It's yeah. very up close, which gives it a certain minor degree of intensity, mm-hmm. but it's not cinematic. Whereas Shark Attack Two just looks fabulous you know like Worth is just a lot of the time he's painting with the frame he just knows how to stage the actors and the action within a widescreen frame to make the best damn B movie he can yeah but but who's he got who's he got doing that for him the man the myth the monster Yossi Vane Yossi Vane icon of uh, Millennium Films, New Image. Mm-hmm. Um, and he knows how to do this shit. Yeah. I mean, th- this is his forte. Uh, and he does a great job. I mean, mm-hmm. he can he can do this in his sleep, and he's great. And also got Eric Raz editing, who went on to, of course, do so many films with Isaac Florentine, so they know mm-hmm. when to cut it to. So so just technically, they've yeah. got they've got the, the, he, the A uh, listers. He's got a hell of a crew backing, yeah. backing yeah, up yeah. on that. Um, you know, a very luxurious schedule. As well, right? Okay. Yeah, they fit. This was a six-week shoot. Wow. Shark Attack Two. Um, they did four weeks in Cape Town, hmm. and then they moved over to shoot some of the underwater stuff in a pool in Bulgaria. Right. Okay. So they did two weeks out in Bulgaria. I did wonder where the Bulgaria aspect came into it. Mm. But yeah, I mean, does it? You set up an amalgamation of the four Jaws films. I mean, you've even got shots from Jaws. Yeah. You know that you got that great. Zoom on the beach. The dolly zoom. Yeah, yeah, The, yeah. the Roy Scheider shot. <laughs> That's it. Uh, which is pretty much, you know, as is. Mm. Uh, no apology. But well, do Worf, we mind that? Do, he, do we no, care? No, because Worf's having fun with the material. Yeah. He knows. But, but this he, is, that's the kind of thing that makes people angry, though, isn't it? Oh, no, because... Uh, with things like that, if it's done ironically, if it's done as like, oh look how smart and meta-referential mm. we are. But this is this is written by two guys who have really gone into the swing of it. Divine and Hook, they 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 know full well that this is an amalg- an amalgamation of Jaws. Yeah. Worth knows that it's just he wanted to make a giddy shark movie. That's what he's doing. So he's paying tribute to the best. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, he's playing around with shark movie lineage and iconography. And that that's cool. I thought... I, I, I giggled when we had the, the Jaws shot, you know? Yeah. Um, and some of the stuff he does in here, it, I do think in its way, it does rival Jaws. You know, there's the beach massacre just under an that's hour good. in. Oh, that yeah. is yeah. that yeah. is a beautifully mm-hmm. done sequence. Mm-hmm. It's exciting. There's a splash of gore. Uh you got Harry's belting around on a fucking jet ski, <laughs> which is just absolutely priceless. Yeah. And the mix of shark stock footage and, and practical stuff again, yeah, yeah. you know, the, the the way that they've done that this time around, it's, it's just catnip, man. It's just mm, like direct-to-video mm. catnip. I'm going to give a shout-out to, to uh, Danny Key. Or Keo, what did you say? Key, Keo. Mm, I'm going to go with Keo too, yeah. Um, who plays Michael Francisco, the resort owner. Um, yeah, he does the immortal line, you know, you, you want to shut down the beaches? Yeah. Perfect fit for the film. Uh, you know him, of course. He was played uh, Herb Diamond in, in The Mangler. Um, <laughs> he died last year, unfortunately, at 71 in Uganda. But he's a good he's a good fit for this film. Yeah, he, he's another new image bit partner. Mm. You know, he, he pops up in Shadow Chaser 2 and a couple of Operation Delta Force sequels. But yeah, that feeds into the Jaws 
for Marjorie. Yeah. You know, and, and as well as him not wanting to shut down the the beach, you've got uh, you you got uh, the Harris character who. Uh, as a kid, he survived an attack by a nine-foot tiger shark. So that, of course, <laughs> leads to the whole Jaws scar sharing mm. bit. Oh, as, yeah. You know, as he parades the scar on his belly off. Mm. But yeah, there's uh, there's a lot of a lot of cool stuff in Shark Attack too. The shark attacks are great. The uh, the tiger growls and lion roars to the sharks. Mm. Um, mm. I think they seem to be a point of ridicule when you look around IMDb and stuff yeah. like that. But you know, is it silly? Yes, but. <laughs> when you dwell on it it's completely ridiculous but when you're caught up in the moment it does add a certain degree of ferocity mm. to the shark attacks yeah. which the first film was was lacking the shark cage sequence with the Aussie guys sublime mm. you know and well, I say Aussie air quotes never have <laughs> been more accurate um, but the the effects are a hell of a lot better yeah, this yeah. time out as well um, you know and they, they were achieved by there was a 25 foot dummy shark that could be used or in Worf's mm. words dragged mm-hmm. um, in the water and he, he ordered them to make three shark fins that could be operated by divers and two articulated shark heads with a biting action that could be puppeteered by stuntmen. Mm. He's, Worf said it was a very, very piecemeal process coming up with the action scenes uh, and that they all came together in editing using a mixture of often all three of the, of right. the, the puppet heads of the dummy and of the fins, uh, mm, and mm. of course the stock footage. Um, but it, it doesn't show. It, it as you say, the editing is so fast and on point. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just good. It is a a quality little B picture. Yeah. Um, do we know how it did on on, on on tape on DVD, or did it just sort of? Uh, what well, was it shot back to back with with the first one? How close were they made? You know. Um, Shark Attack. So that it, that sold at the American film market. Mm. Um, in 1999 and by the end of 1999 they were developing like a slate uh, they were developing the crocodile octopus yeah, yeah, yeah. spider slate and in that slate shark attack 2 mm. was there so it, it you know the second shark attack sold a sequel was getting knocked up mm. um, it did uh, it didn't go straight to video though it premiered on TV and I right, think this okay. is where the the idea that Shark Attack number one was a TV movie comes from. Right. Um, where it was actually Shark Attack 2 that premiered mm. on TV. It played as part of Critter Week on the USA Network alongside Spiders, Octopus and Crocodile uh, between the 9th and 13th of October 2000. Right. Uh, and then it hit video in the US on the 13th of February the following year, 2001. Mm. Um, and it didn't come over here until summer 2002. Okay. Here in the UK, but again, like the first Shark Attack, it became quite an ubiquitous title. Mm, it was mm. always, it was a perennial in the bargain bins of blockbuster yeah, yeah, and global yeah. and stuff. Mm. Um, Why is that? Do you think that's because the people invariably see a shark themed movie, and because Jaws is so heavily ingrained into your psyche, people just feel compelled to buy anything shark themed, and then you know, unwittingly they get it home, give it a spin not their bag, off it goes into the charity shop. Do you think that's the kind of mentality behind why it's such a perennial sort of charity shop, cash converter, CEX kind of film? I mean, the, the, the cynic in me is tempted just to think that people buy it expecting that, yeah, it's going to be Jaws-like, mm. and, and, and yeah, it, it, it's not, oh, this is crap, I'll get rid of this. Mm. But I, I have no idea why 
what it was about Shark Attack 1 and 2 that really caught the zeitgeist, mm. other than the fact that the DVDs were produced so cheaply and in such large numbers that they just pretty much became property in everyone's house. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, I think maybe it was the fact that the first film was dished out as, uh, with some DVD players... Um, and then obviously the second one rides that wave, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, yeah. that people are like, oh, well, I've got the first one, I might as well get the second one. Mm. But at the dawn of DVD, well, not even the dawn, because when did DVD come out? 98, 99, something yeah. like that? Yeah. Over here, anywhere. But back then, they were, everything was a premium title. You know, everything mm. was about £20. Oh, you were yeah. lucky to get something for 15 quid. <laughs> so to go into a shop and to see something like Shark Attack 1 and 2 yeah. for 5 99 if you want to build up your collection. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, mm. you know fill your boots but I don't know what it is they they, they caught they, a certain degree of popularity Shark mm. Attack 1 and 2 and number 3 to a certain extent as as we'll get on to but uh, yeah uh, Shark Attack 2 though it, it, it's not perfect the whole the whole uh, theme park owner subplot just sort of falls by the wayside yeah. about an hour yeah. in it's never sort of resolved but uh, no it's good Good lively movie. You're listening to Natural Selection, the home of the DTV creature feature. People pay a lot of money to come down here. They expect to use everything, including the beaches. You cannot let people swim in the water when there's a shark out there. was the trailer for Shark Attack 3 Megalodon from 2002 uh, which is a film that's kind of renowned for a line rather than you know uh, what the film is in general I mean we'll get to the line later but as a film you know it, it, it's it's a fair Shark Attack movie isn't it really that's been unfairly kind of you know, yeah, it's just it, it, it's got this reputation as like an one of the great archetypal uh, so bad it's good mm. type films. Uh, I'm not sure how I feel about that term anymore. It's kind of lost all meaning in the years since uh, The Room and Neil Breen's yeah. sort of stuff has uh, has redefined the parameters of what truly bad filmmaking mm. is. Um, I'm still in favour of it as a concept, though, because there is a, a beauty within so-called um, badness, where, where, especially when a film is earnestly made, but 
kind of stupid and lousy at the same time and entertaining because of it. Um, I've said it before, though, it's Sharknado and all that kind of crap that really made me start to hate the whole mm. so bad it's good thing. Um, yeah. Because I just hate the irony. I hate ironic, bad, yeah, and intentional. Ooh, look, look how snarky we're being about mm. the material. Um, but yeah, I, I, I wouldn't really say Shark Attack 3 is a bad or awful movie. Um, to yeah. me, bad movies are things like the Room, Manos, The Hands of Fate, mm. uh, Blood Feast is my all-timer, like my go-to, so bad it's good movie. Yeah. Um, if anything, Shark Attack 3 is just <laughs> kind of <laughs> overwhelmingly average and kind of boring. The only reason it's got this reputation is because it's had some publicity. Yeah. People have watched it that would never ever watch it. And mm. so it's just been sort of thrust into the limelight, whereas... If if it if it didn't have any publicity, nobody would really know of it, and mm. uh, you know it's only got this reputation because of uh, because of certain aspects of its infamy. I mean, because most most of that stuff it doesn't happen until well after the hour mark. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's not a lot happens for the first hour, but all the stuff with uh, you know with the kind of hawky. Mm. shark head effects eating <laughs> boats and stuff uh, the infamous line yeah that's all from about the hour mark in yeah I mean prior to that it, it's, it's it's fairly easy to segue from number two into number three because mm. we've got the same director back in David Worth we've got as you say as you said earlier on the same writers in Scott Devine and William Hook so we're pretty much same old same old albeit and the fact that we have a completely new set of characters and a new yeah and a new shark. sort of set up um, I think what we what you need to know about Shark Attack 3 is mm. that it was designed to cash in on um, a couple of forthcoming attractions yeah. at the time so in 1997 two books were published one was Steve Alton's novel Meg and another was something called Extinct by Charles Wilson um, Meg of course um, was stuck in development hell for about 20 years until it was finally made to the screen with uh, John Turtletop and, with, and Jason Statham a couple of years ago as the Meg. Yeah. But until then, it had been in and out of various stages of development and production since 1998. Uh, I think at the time of Shark Attack 3, Jan de Bont was attached to direct an adaptation of Meg mm. um, before Guillermo del Toro, Eli Roth, who we're probably going to have to censor now as he's now being cancelled earlier today. Because there's... <laughs> really? Honest to God, man, look on Twitter, there's some grim stuff about that bastard coming out. Oh, um, you know, and, and it's, it is what's frightening, it's the least surprising information imaginable when you look at the sort of frat boy dickheads who populate the narratives of his films, which I have admittedly enjoyed on occasion, <laughs> even though I've, I personally think he's quite a reprehensible guy. Right. But anyway, I digress. So... Uh, Guillermo del Toro and Eli Roth were all in uh, contention to adapt it before John Turtletop and Jason Statham took it on um, an extinct uh, Wilson's novel was in development for a very long time at NBC uh, where they were going to turn it into a mini-series right. coupled in with that uh, Gary Tunnicliffe the effects man who worked on a couple of Hellraiser sequels um, he was co-writing and directing a film called Megalodon at the same time that Shark Attack 3 was shooting as well and that too was designed to cash in on the sort of hype surrounding the upcoming adaptations of Extinct and Meg um, so for whatever reason that it was very much in the zeitgeist mm -hmm. the, idea, the idea of this Megalodon So, and the story it turns out that 
Baby Megalodon breaks free, yeah. terrorises small beach town or whatever. They kill that shark, and only guess what? That was just the baby. Mm-hmm. And now Mama is pissed off. <laughs> I mean, we've got this, this, this weird um, group of people in Shark Attack 3, haven't we? I mean, mm. we have Jenny McShane back, playing a different character, yes. playing Cat Stone. Um, that was done intentionally, though, by the way. They wanted her... The New Image had, in fact, wanted both Van Dien yeah. and her back right. for number two, but they both passed on it. Right. Um, and for number three, they got back in touch with her, and she said she'd do it, but obviously not playing the same character. Right. That's bizarre. It's just very strange. But they, they knew... Here's the thing, right? New Image were canny enough to realise that Shark Attack did have something of an audience. Because they, mm. according to McShane, the actual pitch to her was that we want you to be the touchstone for the fans. Right. Okay. Which is which is insane because we 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 think we tend to think of New Image as a very mercenary operation, mm. not giving a crap about what the fans <laughs> think. They're just they're making product. So kind of strange. It is strange, but then John Barrowman is strange. I mean, why is why is John Barrowman in this film? Well, this was before this was before he was Barrowman. No, but even so, was... I mean, he's he's a kids' TV presenter mm. of, of Live and Kicking, which he used to watch as a kid. Um, he's he's a, he's a he's a he's a show tune singer. Yeah, um, yeah and he wants to bring in some acting. I mean, to be honest, I mean, I've never seen an episode of Doctor Who in my life, mm. um, but I did watch Torchwood because you know it was pretty good. Um, but it's a bizarre thing him being in this film it's, yeah. it is it is a bit weird I'm not sure if it really um, fits it I feel I, I mean I I used to hate John Barrowman <laughs> um, I thought he was just quite simply repellent <laughs> um, just really loud obnoxious and annoying um, and I think it was because I didn't watch Doctor Who but no. post Doctor Who he was fucking everywhere he was yeah, he yeah. was just like you couldn't turn the TV on without him popping up and mm. belting out a show tune. Or... <laughs> um, but I have, I have warmed to him right. in the last few years. Yeah, I think it was round about the time he was an I'm a celebrity. Oh, <laughs> um, he okay. just came, he just came across as a really sound and quite an easygoing bloke. Yeah. because obviously because he wasn't performing for the cameras. True. Um, mm. And now, one of the greatest things about Shark Attack Three. Mm. And I have no shame in admitting this. Is I think he submits a really bloody good performance. He is goodness, but my only issue with him is that when he found fame with Torchwood mm. or Infamy and his multi-million selling albums, every talk show he would go on, be it Jonathan Ross or whoever, they would say, "Oh, John, we're going to show you this clip from when you first started out as an actor." And out would come the, the clip of Sharknado 3. We'll play it now. From Shark and, and here is the here is the infamous clip. We'll meet back here at 8 a.m. Don't be late. I'm exhausted. Yeah, me too, but you know, I'm really wired. What do you say I take you home and eat your pussy? And there we go. Um, because this, you know, it, it, it just got trolled out every every yeah. single time that he was on any kind of show. It was like, oh, ha ha ha! Look at this, isn't it yeah, funny? Isn't this the most outlandish thing you've ever heard? <laughs> but but here, here's here's the thing, right? That other than that bit mm. and the duff shark head effects at the end, yeah. as we said, none of this occurs until round about the hour mark. Mm. 
when people call Shark Attack 3 so bad it's good, it's not intentionally funny enough mm. to be bad. It, it, other than the famous bits, it, it, it's just more boring than anything. Because that first hour is a slog. Yeah. You know, it doesn't really pick up until uh, what until the boat attack on Barrowman and McShane about fifty five minutes in. Uh, that is a great, great scene where mm. McShane blow. Uh, yep, yeah, she blows the shark's head open with a shotgun, yeah, yeah. and uh, I mean it's capped with, with with the moment where the big shark's even bigger man just flies out the water. <laughs> and that's when it really kicks into gear. But before then, it's just kind of a yeah it's, it's well shot it's reasonably it, it reasonably well edited and stuff like that but it just kind of freewheels no I agree with that I, th- I think yeah for, for me it was just before that moment with a shotgun I think it was just to see sort of a camp John Barrowman you know battering a rubber shark with a baseball bat yeah underwater I thought yeah I mean this, this is what while screaming die repeat yeah, die exactly I mean that, that, that was why I yeah. was there to be honest we haven't really mentioned what it's about I mean not that relevant in any way but it's just the fact that you know cat finds a tooth and then she scans it and she's a um, paleontologist at the san diego yeah. museum she scans it into her high-tech uh, scanning machine and that comes online and matches it with nothing and then she ends up going to um, mexico where bulgaria masquerading mm. as mexico really i thought it was mexico <laughs> i thought it was cancun um, where where Barryman is is Harbour Patrol guy, isn't he, for yeah, a, a resort yeah. of some kind? Um, and then obviously one thing leads to another. But yeah, the plot is is very much uh, secondary to utter bobbins. Any please, yeah. utter bobbins. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think you know the best summation is big shark, bigger shark. <laughs> yeah, you know that, that's that's really kind of it, and it's just sort of. It's it's quite fitting in a sense, really, that like the Shark Attack trilogy, it's one really really good movie in Shark Attack Two, mm. bookended by two very workmanlike yeah. things either side of it. Uh, not not unrecommendable. Yeah, but not necessarily you know must haves. Yeah, like I I wouldn't rec- I wouldn't not recommend them. No. But I wouldn't recommend them either. No. You know, I just wouldn't speak about them. Until maybe someone came to me and said... Until someone I've put a microphone on the table and said, yes, go. Yes, like this. Like we're, we're only doing this because we, we had to cover the movies. Yeah. We're not particularly enamoured or personally invested with them. Doesn't it have, uh, a, doesn't have a bizarre parallel with Octopus? And that you start in a, in a submarine and, and then you end with a cruise ship. It's, no, it's not really a cruise yeah, ship. Yeah, I can, I can see but that. You, well... Well, David, <laughs> I have a confession to make. Oh. Oh. Yeah. A fun fact, if you will. Or a confession, <laughs> however you want to see it. But I've never seen Shark Attack's final four minutes. Wow. Never, ever seen them. My DVD cuts off at 86 minutes every oh. time. Every fucking time. Uh, <laughs> and I've just never been asked enough about the film to buy another copy. <laughs> so that final four minutes, that could completely... Upend the movie, could it could yeah. turn it into something brilliant. But I've never in in the ten years since I've had it on DVD, I've never <laughs> ever seen the end of Shark Attack. But that, that 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 does say a lot about your feelings for the film, and that you will not part with one pound <laughs> to see the final four minutes of Shark, just, Shark Attack Three. Because I just I just do not care enough about wow. it. So I don't even know. I, I don't even know downer, who, the, really. who the end credits are. I don't even know who's on. If I didn't IMDb <laughs> it, I wouldn't know a thing about the credits. Mm. But yeah, I just think it's funny. It cuts off at the same point, just as uh, when the guy, 
what's the guy with the, the coolest name? Chuck Rampart. That <laughs> kind of, when he leans into the water to pick uh, McShane up from yeah, off the boat, yeah. the screen goes pixelated, and that's it. We must mention um, Buddy Bother again, because he's graduated to SFX supervisor for this film. Mm. Um, I just feel as though it's like a, a drinking game that people could, you know, maybe have a natural selection marathon and um, take a sip for take a shot yeah, for every, every time the, the, new, the new image episode yeah uh, Willie Bother um, um, Scott Coulter as well uh, was, was doing some effects work on the film mm. Scott Coulter of course began life with MMI uh, John Beekler's uh, iconic company used to work on Solidrilla Ghost Town uh, Spellcaster he did uh, FX work on Gary Graver's Evil Spirits as well which he had about a week's prep time to do wow. and had, had to do, put everything together really really quickly um, and I think he did um, second unit on Octopus 2 as well but yeah a really good FX guy that, that really does deserve a, a mention um, I will say though that uh, again once again if you're listening to it guys thank you from the Bristol Bad Film Club amazing outfit the, the this episode is sponsored the, by the, the interview they had with Worth and McShane are both right. fantastic really? like the one with Worth is incredible he goes into so much detail not mm. just about Shark Attack mm. uh, 2 and 3 but about Kickboxer Bloodsport it's, it really is amazing. it's everything you want to know about mm. David Worth mm. Mm. Um, but Worth he hates the the biting head in certain hits the fact that he was unable to supervise right. the film's ADR music and final sound mix over in LA mm. as he was sent back to Bulgaria to film Airstrike for New right, Image. Okay. Um, so he is on record as being very unhappy with the FX mm. work mm. Um, and I believe he's once described Shark Attack 3 as like he can't even watch it anymore it's unwatchable <laughs> to him um, I'm wondering though if, if, if you are David Worth and you were you were you were seventy six years old, and you were sitting at home in LA, and you're thinking, mm, you know, I'm gonna look back on a few of my films. I wonder, like, what what where down the listing Shark Attack Three would come? Because I think you know, alongside you know, Kickboxer and um, Poor Pretty Eddie, I don't think you'd be really much inclined yeah. to dig that one out, to be honest, on your old Boulevard DVD. <laughs> <laughs> the cuts off four minutes before it's over. Yeah, but I might be wrong. He might have that on the top of his pile. Um, we should say that uh, you know there is an unofficial shark attack for called Shark Zone, directed oh, by yeah. Danny Lerner, but um, we do not consider it part of the shark attack canon. Um, if you have a problem with that, that's that's your issue, not ours. It's not part of the series. Um, just as really. T-Bar Tachaxes, Spiders 3D isn't... Mm. Te- I, mm. I wouldn't say it's part of the, the Spiders continuum. No. No, no, no. Just a cyborg soldier isn't part of the cyborg cop continuum. <laughs> Any more? Uh, no, that's it for New Image. We could go on to, like... I, c- I could go on to my uh, Carnosaur theory, but we'll Ooh. save that for another time. <laughs> because, because Raptor and the Eden formula do sort of count as Carnosaurs. Of course they do. Um, but you can read all about that on, on the slot, but anyway, our, our wonderful website, www, can you? No? Yes, you can. Can you? Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. we have a rapid phone on the slot www.theslotpit.com, where you can find out all about what we do and stuff, be it podcasts, articles, books, commentaries, and uh, general charity work for the local community. Also known as 88 Films. (laughs) Uh, We kid, we love you guys.
that's uh, that's it for today before I get fired. Um, and we'll see you next time. My name is Dave Wayne, and to my right is Matt Ibarevich. And we'll see you soon for the final episode. Ooh. <laughs> Later, guys. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to check out the Schlock and Awe page on Instagram. Well, you're welcome to stalk Maddie and Dave on Twitter. See you next time on Natural Selection.